You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 121, brought to you by Vesti Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. Well, folks, today we got uh, our guest, Nikki Jabor here. Uh, people here where I live in Nova Scotia, Canada, know her as the host of The Weekend Gardener on 95.7 FM, uh, Halifax, and online. You can go online and, and you can listen to the show uh, after the fact, uh, which I've done. Um, she's also the award-winning author of uh, a number of books, The Year-Round Vegetable Gardener, Groundbreaking Food Gardens, Veggie Garden Remix, and Growing Undercover. And she's also on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, so, uh, Nikki, why don't you say hello? Uh, say hello to the people. Introduce yourself. <laughs> hello, people, and thank you so much for having me back. It's uh, it's now that spring is here, even though it didn't feel like it today. Uh, this is a great way to kick off spring in my garden by chatting with you. Yes, and how is uh, everything? Uh, like for me, things are starting to thaw there's still frost in the yeah. soil here in a lot of places but you know some things are happening i saw the goldfish for the first time a week ago sort of peeking out for about 15 minutes under the sun that's good how's everything <laughs> happening I mean, nikki lives about an hour or so from me uh give or take inland of me yeah so how are yeah. things where you are you know what um i remind myself it's march because you know last weekend we had a nice mild day and i spent the entire day in the garden I prepped all of my beds and I have 28 raised beds I prepped the greenhouse I planted more in the greenhouse and I'm like wait a minute it's March I've actually never prepped quite that early before but you know the weather was great I had bags of manure from a local farmer so I did all the work and then I made a few mini hoop tunnels and I seeded some crops for early harvesting so I feel like I'm ahead of the game and then I planted all my tomatoes indoors so at this point wow. I mean it's only go downhill <laughs> you're ahead of the it's game been good yeah which never happens let me tell you I'm always well, lagging behind it, uh, did it snow that was yesterday it snowed didn't it in the morning I mean yeah. it wasn't like you know we didn't have to shovel <laughs> yeah. or anything like that but I was just like oh come on I was just getting like in spring mode I know I, yeah it, we did no shoveling like you said but there was snow and I think it was like minus nine uh, Celsius, which is pretty frigid, but you know what? In the polytunnel, everything I planted is cool, hardy, you know, like spinach, lettuce, yes. scallions, they're fine. So I'm not worried in the least and they'll pop right. up when the, the conditions are right. I I was stupid this, this uh, spring. I decided to make like more goldfish ponds in the garden. I, mean, <laughs> I have a drainage problem and I decided to turn it into like a goldfish pond since it's gonna be fed with fresh water all the time. Um, so I'm behind on just about everything because I've been doing that. So I got to yeah. get I got to get more in line with you because uh, yeah, I think spring's going to be early this year. You know, I think we're probably Do probably going to be a oh, couple good. weeks ahead. I'm but I'm I'm subject to gardeners, you know, uh, <laughs> chronic optimism like ah, oh, this year is going to be the greatest year ever and so on and so forth. I I have no yeah. no conservatism at all. It's amazing <laughs> though how we all all feel that way at this point of the season because again it's just March I know it's gonna be April in a day or two but you know again we're getting ahead of ourselves and normally I mean I've had snow in my garden in May I right know. I mean it's not unusual so oh, yeah you know rain it in a little bit you know enjoy the optimism but a little t dose of reality is not a bad thing either yeah I think that snow was good yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a sense yeah. just a, like, wait a second you know this isn't like you know what do you think this is you know <laughs> Yeah, All right, so today we got uh, we got Nikki on the show because she does something I don't do much of, um, and so she's certainly uh, more knowledgeable about it than me, and that is transplants. Uh, Nikki has a, a greenhouse, which I don't have. Uh, I've got one south-facing window, which has enough room for about three, you know, four by eight trays of 
transplants and that's it. Right. Uh, it turns into natural light. Um, and, you know, a lot of my viewers ask questions about that. And of course, I have my own questions and I've I've gotten away from it also because I've never been that good at it. So I do a lot of direct seed and I do a lot of planting under hoops and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But certain things you just, you know, really for peppers, that's almost hopeless. Um, yeah. So I thought I'd have you on the show today and just ask you a bunch of questions. We've got some viewer questions here as well. And we'll just uh, work all this and hopefully put on a, a great show here. Um, Sounds awesome. Okay. I'm game. So. Let's talk seedling, seed starting. Because okay. I'm looking at some right now. There's more upstairs. There's more in the room behind me. I, I can go all day and talk about this. <laughs> I, I'm jealous. Um, so uh, so for, first off, and this is, I was just talking, I mean, people have been asking me at work about this sort of thing. And I'm always amazed at the things people choose to transplant. Um, so I was, I was thinking of asking you about, you know, plants that shouldn't be transplanted, that it's really not worthwhile that they, either they, they're plants that just don't like to be moved or they're very difficult. I mean, anything can mm -hmm. be moved, but some things are just much more bothered by it than others, but also things yeah. that just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to transplant them. So can you run through a few things like that? Yeah, for sure. So I think if you're going to garden, um, you know, they'll, you know, and I'm food gardening is what I'm talking about here. Although of course there's lots of annuals and, and herbs as well, you may consider. Um, but for the most part for vegetables, you know, they fall into two categories, things you start indoors and things you don't. So things that I would direct seed in the garden are basically crops that are really fast. Leaf lettuce generally, spinach, arugula, um, those are all really quick to grow, many of those types of greens, and they don't like to be transplanted. So if I start spinach indoors and then I try to move it outside, it doesn't transplant well, and chances are the plants will bolt, which means yeah. they'll switch from leaf production to flower production and taste terrible uh, and just be a complete waste of time and, and space in the garden. Um, so it's not worth you know planting those inside and trying to move them outside. Plus things like arugula, for goodness sakes, or spinach, they go from planting to baby greens in like a month, so you're really not gaining anything by starting them indoors. So also root crops, carrots don't like to be transplanted, parsnips. Um, so a lot of root crops don't like that. You can get away with it with beets, but generally speaking, you know, the radishes, the carrots, the parsnips, um, things like that, you should definitely direct seed those. So those yeah. are some ones that should be direct seeded. And also really quick growing crops like peas and bush beans, you know, yeah. they germinate really quickly and take off. So you don't actually have to give them a head start indoors. Often when you're, you know, like a garden, centers in spring you'll see packs of carrots or packs of bush beans or packs of corn for yeah. sale and i always roll my eyes right because you don't you need those you can right you direct seed them um yeah. you know my gosh imagine buying four bean transplants for like 3.99 <laughs> uh, when you can buy a whole seed pack for like three bucks and get like 50 seeds <laughs> i know it mystifies yeah. me and right? they don't even yeah. know what kind of bean they're getting sometimes you know like they're just That's like true. well these are beans i want beans so there's, I think there's an excitement among a gardener <laughs> where I'm just going to put this thing in and it's an instant plant, but um, exactly, you know, but it doesn't pay always... off for them. It costs a lot and it's disappointing, but then there's also vegetables that can be direct seeded or can be started indoors. And these are going to be like cucumbers and squash, pumpkins, things like that. Oftentimes I will give them just a short stint under my grow lights, like three or mm. four weeks, then they're hardened off and put into the garden. And that does give me a head start. And then maybe yeah. a couple of weeks later, I'll direct sow some seeds in the garden. So that way, say my zucchini that I transplanted are growing really well by the time I you know, sow more seeds. And then I've got a succession crop. So I have a very long season of harvest for my zucchini plants. Um, and then there's the things that need to be started indoors, particularly when you live in a cold climate like we do. Um, you know, and of course, the tomatoes and the peppers, you know, uh, basil, things like that. There's quite yeah. a few vegetables, onions. If you plant onion seeds in your garden, you can plant scallions. 
but you're not going to get large bulbs from seed planted onions. So you need to start those indoors and things yeah, like yeah. celery, very slow growing. So that also gets started indoors. So the good yeah. news is you don't have to memorize all this. It's on your seed packs. It's in a good gardening book. You know, it's on your seed, in your seed catalogs. The information's usually listed there too. So you don't yeah. need like a PhD in seeds to know this. Um, yes. But it's good to have a basic understanding. That's right. You can you can Google it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of uh, the question of, I've had better luck growing in a sunny window than grow lights, and I'm guessing it's because the sun is the sun and lights are not the sun. <laughs> um, but so, just talk about that a little bit. If if someone, number one, if, let's say someone had the choice to do either. And also in the scenario where the person doesn't have the choice, let's say they just don't have a good window, um, should yeah. they should they invest in the grow lights and, and do do all of that, or are they better off just buying their transplants, that sort of thing? Well, you know, it, it often depends on what they want to grow. Because if you want to grow, say, onions from seed, those are you know started. The seeds are started indoors, you know, under grow lights or in a sunny window, usually in February, because they take about twelve weeks of indoor growth before before they're moved outside. So right. if you're starting onions inside in February, let's think about how long our sunny days are in February, but not that long, right? And so we don't have enough light in a sunny window to promote healthy plant growth. So your seedlings are gonna get leggy and they're not right. gonna grow well. So in that case, a grow light is better. But you know, now that we have, you know, like 12 hours of day length each day, and I'm just starting my tomato seeds now, I could get away with starting them in a window, in a sunny window. Um, ideally they, you know, if I have my grow lights on, I'll leave them on for 16 hours a day. But 12 right. hours of a sunny window is adequate for healthy plant growth. I would probably turn them around every couple of days because you know how seedlings grow towards the sun uh, yeah. just to make sure the stems grow straight and strong. Um, right. But you certainly can use a sunny window at this point in the season. I just wouldn't for super early started things. And you've got a lot of options for grow lights as well. You can get some very inexpensive ones. Um, pretty much all the grow lights I started with are just fluorescent lights on, you know, just like um, shop fixtures, four foot long shop fixtures that cost me about 20 bucks for the fixture you know, another 10 bucks for two light bulbs. And that looked great. I just right. had bookshelves we made and I hung them from that on chains and I would move them up and down. Um, with fluorescent lights, the bulbs should be just above the tops of your plants, you know, right. because, you know, the higher up you go, you lose those, the light, the foot candles. So you want to make sure they're relatively close to your plants. Uh, leave them on again, 16 hours a day. I use a timer because I won't remember to turn them on and off every day. Right, uh, yeah. And that works great. Right, that but fluorescent great. lights don't last forever. They're not that efficient. So now two of my three grow light stands are LED grow lights. And I, I gotta say, I like them a lot. They're definitely more efficient. They're not as hot. Um, they don't use up as much energy. And so I do prefer LED grow lights and they used to be really expensive, which is why I didn't use them. But now the prices have come down significantly uh, over you know even a decade ago. So right. they're an option for most gardeners now. Okay, that's all good. And yeah. what about, um, I've changed the order here on you. Um, I don't care. You can ask me anything. <laughs> uh, heating pads. I mean, because yeah. I'm just thinking. So I started. I I had Lee Reich on last, and we we're. I was asking him like, what you know? I have. I obviously have the worst luck with peppers. I can't get anything to grow in time. Blah blah right. blah blah. He told me to to grow these uh, some kind of Italian tomato. So mm -hmm. literally before I went to bed that night, I I ordered some, and I planted them. So that was like the beginning of March. Um, so okay. around the first week of March, I planted these tomatoes or these uh, peppers um, in my south facing window and two of them have three have germinated. <laughs> so the question is heating pads. And I, and I, yeah. I about four days ago, I ordered a heating pad off of Amazon. <laughs> so I have a heating pad, okay. but 
you know, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like I have one, but do I use it? I'm not using it now. I used it last year a little bit, but right. uh, yes, for things that require a little extra heat and, you know, hot peppers, particularly the super hot. So if you're trying to grow habanero peppers or right. ghost peppers or scorpion peppers, the heat really helps those. They take a while right. to germinate and heat can really speed that up. Or even things like ground cherries, which I love, um, yes. you know, they're difficult and tricky to germinate. So bottom heat helps. The old right. trick, of course, is to put your flats or your pots on top of your fridge. And if right. you can, that works because that's giving you a little bit of heat. I used to, we used to have a wood stove upstairs. Uh, unfortunately, it's been gone a couple of years now, but I used to put my flats in front of it for my heat loving things. And then as soon as they germinated, I would pop them under the grow lights. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I do, I do have that heating mat and I don't really use it. So all my peppers germinated. I probably got 90% germination, wow. but they were germinated in average room temperature. Like it wasn't like a cool basement, you know, it was about 75 or, you know, like 20, 21 degrees Celsius. So yeah. it worked fine. I think there's just the, the the window there, because because there there's no window cells, so they're literally against the glass. Yeah. And so, so hot I think and cold a, temperatures. I think it's a bit cold there for them. So I think the heating pad will solve it. Or even when I was trying to get the germinate, maybe I should have just put them anywhere in the house that was warm. Yes. And the problem is that the modern refrigerator. I used to put stuff on top of the refrigerator, but the modern refrigerators are so damn efficient they don't have any heat. Coming uh, <laughs> off true. maybe. If I put it on top of, you know, if I put it on top of the hot water heater, I'd forget about it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even know it was there. It'd dry up. There'd just be that. You, know, yeah, you bring up a good point. Like once you, for a heating mat, you want to use it, but once half of the seeds have germinated, you want to stop using that heating mat because it's going to promote like quicker growth, but not necessarily uh, sturdy growth. So oh. a heating mat is only good when you're germinating. Once my, you know, half of those seeds have germinated, the heating mat's gone. Oh. Yeah. So what should I do with my? The thing where I've got, um, <laughs> yeah. I've got like a dozen pots and three peppers germinated. Is it worth well, making making those three pots. leggy? <laughs> well, if they're in pots, I mean, you could put the other ones on top of the heating pad, and the ones that are germinated, just don't put them in the heating pad. Right. Like, I mean, heating pads certainly they perform a function, but I don't want gardeners to have to spend a lot of money they don't need to spend. So that yeah. generally, I, I don't recommend a heating pad because they're sometimes like forty dollars or more. Um, uh, and it's just not something that's essential for most people. Like, I mean, I grow probably 120 flats a year under grow right. lights throughout the whole season. And I don't generally ever use, you know, a heating uh, pad. So it's not necessary. I contemplated, now I knew my, my wife would never let me do this because it's our kitchen window, our dining room window, <laughs> just the dining room window. I contemplated, contemplated taping mylar to the window so that all the sunlight was was just held i created like a greenhouse effect yep. in there like a big so it'd be like a mylar flag i mean we'd look like yeah. we'd gone totally you know tinfoil hat crazy from the neighbors <laughs> uh, gardeners so, would get it gardeners would understand <laughs> i used to do that with my grow lights i would have tinfoil tenting like yes. just over top of them so all the light would be directed into the plants yeah, yeah. i get it <laughs> uh i know you would i knew you didn't <laughs> um yeah okay so the next question is um tips uh for success with hardening off i i honestly think this is half the reason every year that i failed with um so i set up like a top level you know what the first year we bought this house in our pantry um during this time of year the first couple of years i tried this i took all the cans and all the store ever i took everything out of the pantry put it in the garage and I made one of the shelves in the pantry this like closed off tin foil grow up deal for transplants. <laughs> and everything grew really fast and really well because 
it was just right that the, the heat of the lights warmed the thing. Mm. It was just like, right. you know, somewhere it was like Florida in there all day. <laughs> right? um, and then I put the plants outside and I forgot about them one day and they all died. <laughs> so hardening off, I think, is the critical stage for a lot, especially new gardeners, but even people yeah. that like me that are a bit uh, absent minded, and easily distracted. Um, so, uh, yeah, how about some strategies for <laughs> how about first for this is for the new gardener explaining yeah. what hardening off is and then how to do it without screwing up and ruining all your transplants. Yeah, because I've been there too. Like the first year I grew seedlings, I think I was like 15 or 14 and I had like 10 seedling trays. I knew nothing, right? And then we had one beautiful day in April and I took all my leggy little seedlings and put them outside in full sun, just feeling like I had done the most beautiful thing ever and they yes. all died, right? Yes. So that was my, I, I've been there. So hardening off is basically uh, acclimatizing indoor grown seedlings, whether they're grown in a sunny window, whether they're grown under grow lights to the outside growing conditions. Um, basically seedlings when they're grown inside don't develop a stick of cuticle around the leaves, that waxy coating that protects them. Um, and so when you put them out in direct sun, it can fry them because they don't have that cuticle coating. So oh. hardening off helps them develop that. It helps the stems kind of sturdy up and the leaves, you know, just get a little stronger, um, you know, and just be able to take the wind, the rain, the sun, everything that mother nature is gonna throw at them when they get yeah. outside. So that's what hardening off is. You cannot skip this step. Um, I've never skipped this step and had my seedlings live. So, but it's not hard to do. It takes five days. Um, so for me, the easiest way to do it is, you know, if you have a, a shady spot or you can create shade, you know, a little hoop tunnel in the garden with a piece of shade cloth over top mm. and pop, you know, I take them right from under the grow lights in a mild day, pop them under that shade cloth or, you know, in a sunny part of your deck, uh, you know, under a, a table on your, your balcony or something. Put them under there in the full shade the first day. If it's gonna be cold, bring them back inside. If it's mild, leave them out. Mm. Um, the next day, I'll introduce them to a little bit of morning light, maybe like, you know, from like nine to 10 or nine to 11, a little bit of morning light. And then they get shade the rest of the day. Can, and if it's cold, I'll bring them back inside. If it's not, I, I'll leave them out. What, yeah, what, is, what is shade cloth? Shade cloth is a woven material, usually made from like plastics. It can be dark green, light green. It can be, well, uh, black. There's different kinds and colors and you can get. Some shade cloths block 10% of light, some block 50%, some block 90%. For garden applications, I recommend about a 30 to 40% shade cloth, which is the most common. And you can right. buy it by the roll at different garden centers or order a piece of it online. It's inexpensive and it lasts forever. It's the one garden cover I use that never wears out. So I do I love see. my shade cloth. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, by day three, a little more sunlight. By day four, a little more sunlight. By day five, they should be able to withstand a full day of sunlight and are ready to be transplanted into the garden. Really? Just five days? Okay. That's all it really takes. Yeah. I mean, some people go a week, but five days is enough as long as you're, you know, relatively, um, you know, increasing the light and being, you know, quite vigilant about increasing the light a little bit every day. I see. Okay. Well, that yeah. makes, okay. So, okay. That's not, doesn't sound so overwhelming. It's but. real. it's really not. And, and, you know, because I don't remember things either. I put reminders in my phone. Right, <laughs> hey, right. Nikki, bring the seedlings in or, hey, you know, go cover them up. They've been in the sun for two hours now. You know, it just takes like a minute to do that. Yeah. Um, and all those, all those seedlings I've been growing for eight or 10 weeks, I don't want them to die. No. Um, so it's a little reminder to make sure I protect my seedlings. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. So there's that. Um, in terms of four transplants, how often do you water them? Mm. Well, so, that's a, that's so the seedlings a, it depends. Yeah. It depends. Question it, I guess, but it does. I mean, if you're in a sunny window, you might have to water them every day because it might be a bright sunny day. 
for a couple of days and they dry out quickly. You might have them in very small little containers or egg cartons, which dry out very quickly. You might have them in larger plastic containers, which hold water a little better and don't dry out as quickly. It might be cloudy for a few days or raining or snowing, so they, they don't dry out as quickly. So feel the surface of the soil. If it's very dry to the touch, water them. You don't want them to actually become visibly wilted because at that point you're stressing out the plant, which can result in long-term you know, productivity loss. So do right. pay attention to them. You want the soil to be lightly moist, not soaking wet, because that can cause root rot um, yes. or other like growths, um, mold and stuff on the soil surface. So um, yeah. I, I try, generally I'm watering probably every two days at this point in the season, in average room temperature beneath grow lights in planted in plastic cell packs. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and, and not everything needs to be watered uh, at the same rate. So like the things I just planted my tomatoes a couple of days ago, you know, they're just starting to pop up now. They're really not using any water at all. Whereas right. the onions that are already six weeks old and are like this tall, yes. they're using up much more water. So they need to be watered more often. So it's just about instinct, you know, feel the soil and then water if you need to. Well, I guess to follow that up, uh, I often find when I'm doing transplants, um, the plants get this nasty white, orange <laughs> crap growing on the, on the surface yep. of the soil. It's a good word. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so number one, how do you avoid that? Number two, if you, if you don't, if it happens, what do you do about it? Right. So um, that happens either A, because the, the soil is too wet, um, or it can happen if you're using peat or fiber or core type pots, those breathable kind of pots people use. Uh, or little peat pellets. I don't like to use any of those because I mm. find they mold very easily and they fall apart. So I don't, I don't use them besides the fact I'm trying to use less peat in my garden anyway. Um, mm. you know, or it's because you don't have air circulation. So my trick to healthy seedlings, reducing disease problems like damping off, reducing mold growing in the soil surface, is I always have a fan in the room, just gently yeah. blowing a light stream of air. Um, and that air circulation is such a good way to promote healthy plant growth and reduce right. the occurrence of, you know, fungus on the soil surface. Usually, again, it's a sign of overwatering. So, um, you know, that's pretty easy fix. And I mean, you can scrape it off and get rid of it if you want. Uh, I, I noticed a few of my onions up, upstairs under my grow lights have a little bit on it, but you know what? They're looking healthy. They don't care. I don't care. I just am holding back on the watering a little bit at this point then. So, so when you get it, do you, do you let it go? Or do you spray, do you deal with it in any way or? What's the risk associated with it, I guess? Well, I generally don't get a lot of, of the white fungus on it because I'm not letting keeping the soil wet and I have air circulation going. But yeah. I mean, if I just planted something up and there was some fungus growing on the surface of the soil, I mean, if the seeds hadn't germinated yet and you're scraping it off, you might germinate, you know, scrape those seeds away too, which you wouldn't want. So again, yeah. try to keep the soil lightly moist, but not soaking wet. And that'll help prevent that. Um, you know, if I had a, a basil or tomato plant growing and there was a bit of mold in the soil surface, and it was growing pretty nicely, I'd probably scrape it off scrape uh, and then just off. put a little fresh soil on the top. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, sort of garden remedies, like some people sprinkle cinnamon on the surface of the soil. I tried uh, you that know, last I, I, year and yeah. it, did not, it did nothing for me. Right, um, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not a believer in that. Air circulation and not overwatering. Scrape it Those off. are gonna be your critical points there. Yeah. Okay, and that's scrape, you recommend scraping it off or blasting it with hydrogen peroxide or something like that. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's and, of... you, and, and once you've scraped it off, you know, think, well, why did it happen? Is it because I overwatered or do I not have yeah. enough air moving through this room? And then just, you know, try to do the fix you think is, you know, the most appropriate one. Okay. Yeah, no, I got yeah. a bit with my peppers, but what I, when I planted them, yeah, I 
put the whole thing in a plastic bag so I didn't want to have to water it all the time. Oh, yeah. And then left it in that <laughs> bag for three weeks. Because uh, that's how you can leave it in that bag promise. until it germinates, but not what, yeah, not for that long. That's what I did, but it took three damn weeks. <laughs> so and, and here's a question too, because you know you're making me think here, Greg. And sometimes, um, you know, when, when you're planting, say, a pepper seed in a four-inch pot, that's a big pot for a tiny pepper plant, and they're mm -hmm. pretty slow to grow. So I like to start them in smaller pots, which right. that isn't a big like a large volume of soil, so it doesn't stay as wet as long. So you're going to have, you know, maybe a less occurrence of that sort of like soil fungus on top of the soil, the mold. Oh. So starting seeds in the right size pots. And then, you know, once my peppers, you know, are about two to three inches tall, if I want to, I can pop them out and put them in bigger pots at that point. But, you know, when you're transplanting a house plant or something, you don't go from a small pot to a giant pot. Yes. Same sort of rule applies with seedlings. Why would you start a, a, a very slow growing tiny seedling in a pot like this big? So you don't have to pot them up. <laughs> So Just start them at the right time and then what don't matter, right? This is a perfect segue to the next question. When to pot, <laughs> when to pot up, when do you make that? What is, what is, so if some people don't even know what yeah. that is. What is potting up and what, when do you do it? Well, potting up is moving your seedlings from their small, you know, original packs to larger size pots. And you don't always have to do it. So, so a lot of the things I'm growing, like for example, my tomatoes, I've just started them. So by the time they go into the garden in six weeks, I've started them not too early. So I won't have to pot them up. They're start, you know, they're started in um, 806 cell packs. So they, they're going to go from those cell packs to the garden. And that right. way I save myself, you know, probably a day of work. But if I start them early March and February, as some people do, which is very early for something like a tomato, they will have to pot them up. So, you know, once you can lift the seedling out of the cell or small pot, you see all the roots circling on the bottom, it's time to give it a bigger pot, in which case I would move that up to a four inch pot. Um, so you move it once you notice that the roots are circling, once you realize you have to water them every day because there's mm. hardly any soil left in that little container, um, then right. it's time to pot them up. But you don't have to if you plan your timing well, usually. Like my peppers, right. they're never going to be potted up because they're only this tall now. And again, it's another six weeks before they go into the garden. So by that right. point, they'll be a nice, you know, seven or eight inch tall seedling, but they're not going to be so big that I would have had to spend time potting them up. I see. That makes sense. Okay, that's good advice. Yeah, but people uh, asking too, like they say, I put my cucumbers in last month and, and under my grow lights and they're huge. It's like, well, yeah, I don't start cucumbers in my grow lights until like May 1st. Yeah. So it's about right. starting at the right time as well, which I think is something that takes, you know, a little practice and some reading to learn. And actually, I didn't have this question down, but I just thought of it right now because I'm trying to think through like everything that's ever gone wrong. Um, <laughs> well, I've made so, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yes. So sometimes you, you got the seedling. This almost never happens with the, when the ones you buy, almost. But the ones you start yourself, this does happen. Um, you got your nice transplant, you've hardened it off. So, you know, you, you've been with this thing for a month or two mm -hmm. and you take it out of the thing and all the soil falls away. <laughs> um, so how does one go about avoiding that scenario? You mean basically it didn't have a good root system? Yeah, like it, you know, for, I don't know if it's just the soil didn't have a good, doesn't clump together or the roots just didn't knit all that soil together properly. But you, right. you know, you, you, you give it a little tap, you give it a little squeeze, you lift the thing up and you just see all the soil either stay in the there. thing or, yeah. yeah. So, what, so what's first, that person doing yeah. wrong? Well, first of all, never pull a plant out of a pot. Right. You know, you always, whether it's a cell pack or a pot, put it on a side, use a nail or a screwdriver or something in the hole in the bottom and gently ease it out. Because uh, I have pulled plants out and broken them. I do it every year and I kick myself, right? So don't do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you must, you could put like a, you know, like a plastic garden tag or, 
something like that into the pot and try to pop it out if you have to. Oh, like but a spatula. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. just don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. So that's one. Uh, two, if it doesn't have a good strong root system, it's either still too young maybe, or um, you know, perhaps it's been kept very wet and the root system didn't develop. Maybe it had a little root rot. Uh, or, maybe, or it didn't have to develop because there was so much water, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, or, yeah. or maybe, you know, sometimes there's some cheaper potting mixes I've used before, which produce disappointing results. So, I, I mean, potting mix is something I spend money on for a high quality growing medium. Mm. Um, and then I fertilize probably, you know, every three weeks, my seedlings with a half strength fertilizer, like a, like a fish type fertilizer. Um, and that works really well. So that's helping encourage a healthy root system. Even if, okay, that was one of our questions. So I'll, I'll ask you more about that. It's, uh, it's just intertwined with this answer. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Okay, so now I got some viewer questions here. Um, uh, the first one I'm going to ask, this is actually a lady I work with. <laughs> <laughs> so she, this is her first year gardening and uh, she'll rename, remain anonymous. But um, first <laughs> year, you know, doing this sort of thing. She's got her seed, she's got her transplants. I think, I mean, she, she planted like, you know, lettuce in the middle of March. So I think she's a bit early with some things, but, but anyway, um, she's got Swiss chard growing. She's got this really nice sunny room in her house. She's got Swiss chard growing there among other things, but the Swiss chard flopped over. And she was asking me and she said, it's not overwatered. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing she, she waters it. And then when the water, drips out she you know lifts and basically lets all the water drain out and then puts it back in you know what i mean she, she puts the water on the water drips out she takes the bottom thing right. dumps it out puts it back in done sort of thing so that's how she waters it that seems okay to me mm -hmm. um so i couldn't other than um you actually mentioned something there earlier um what's it called uh damping off like any um, any idea how old like the Swiss chard seedlings are? Are they like tiny? Or are they getting big? I mean, they're not that big. Yes, yeah, she said they're, they're relative, you know, just a few inches tall. Okay. Um, and all the other things she's growing are fine. Um, and it's not overly hot, you know, in that room. It might be like 20, 25. Um, yeah. So the temperature is definitely coming to play. And, and Swiss chard, as you know, is a cool season vegetable. Its yeah. ideal temperature range is probably going to be between, say, 14 and 20 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So warmer temperatures would produce softer growth, which is more likely to flop over. Um, oh, also, right. Yeah. So also, I mean, I don't know how much light those plants are getting, but if they're being grown in less than ideal light, then that would also produce like growth reaching for the light, tall, uh, leggy growth, yeah, which would yeah. also flop over. So I would say it's either too warm or not enough light. Too warm or not enough light. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But generally yeah. speaking, once you would harden those off and put them out in the garden, then you know they would they they would settle in and send out nice fresh growth, but it is only late March at this point, so you know she's yeah. got about six weeks before she can do that. So <laughs> might not be a bad idea to start some more seeds soon. <laughs> well, it's a funny one too because they'll say like Swiss chard is really tough and all this sort of stuff, and once the yeah. plant's established, I mean it is pretty tough. But um, you know a lot of these tough plants, uh, I mean some of the like I find spinach is practically invincible when it comes to you can right. you can freeze it solid and thaw it out and it just keeps going. But uh, Swiss chard, yeah. uh, I've seen that just practically like turn to turn to like a jello sort of thing from too much cold. Yeah, um, it's cool tolerant, but it's not cold tolerant. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you can harvest it into December with protection, but it doesn't go all winter long in my garden like spinach, arugula bok choy, tatsoi, kale, things like that would. 
Yeah, those things are just invincible. Yeah. Uh, you know, as long <laughs> as you can goodness. keep the soil from freezing, they just keep going. Um, yep. They're amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm sometimes harvesting kale in my garden uh, in like January. Um, oh, yeah, easily. You know, yeah. I mean, once the soil freezes, it's over because it can't hydrate itself. Uh, that's my theory anyway, because I noticed <laughs> like once the soil freezes, the, the plants just start looking to toast. Right. right. Um, but uh, as long as the soil thaws out during the day, the plants seem to be able to take a lot. Yeah, um, but if you put a mini hoop tunnel over top them yes. or throw them in like oh, yeah. a greenhouse or a cold frame, then they will go and go and go for sure. Yes, I should do that. Uh, I certainly have the hoop tunnel. I have four of them. <laughs> no, well, there you go. Four, four by eights. Um, wow. Yeah, there was one year I left them on a number of gardens, but what that did was it stimulated a mole and bowl problem. Like oh. I gave the moles and bowls the greatest place in the world to be, right? Right. <laughs> so right. it backfired, especially moles. Um, yeah. Because I think because the worms were active, you know, so yeah. it just created this delicious smorgasbord of worms <laughs> and other insects for them. Um, and then I had a real problem in the garden, which I solved with a uh, kind of an Armageddon <laughs> that we will not speak of. Um, right, right. <laughs> uh, okay, the next question is from, uh, oh, and this was Stephanie's second question. Uh oh, Stephanie, now we know her name, not so anonymous. No, no, sorry, this is a different person. Sorry, this is uh, this is our first oh. viewer. Okay, um, so okay. he's co-worker in trouble. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, 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 she's not a Stephanie. Um, so uh, Stephanie Schaffner, I think that's, I think I got that right. Uh, she has two questions. The first one is, um, uh, do you fertilize your seedlings? And if so, uh, she's saying mainly tomatoes and peppers. Uh, and mm -hmm. if so, at what stage? Okay, well, yeah, good good Nova Scotia name too, Schaffner. Um, <laughs> I do fertilize all my seedlings. Usually once they're in say the second or third leaf stage. So, you know, probably two or three weeks after they've germinated and are, you know, they're growing well. Um, at that point, uh, when I'm watering, the next time I water, I'll use like a fish fertilizer um, and I'll dilute it to half strength. So, you know, if it says use a tablespoon per liter, I'll use half a tablespoon per sure. liter, right? And then I'll fertilize with that. And let me tell you, it stinks, okay? I fertilized on the weekend. It stunk everywhere in here for about an hour. I had to open all the doors and windows. But I can tell you four days later, my plants are looking lush and green and putting on, especially the peppers have put on already new leaves just in four days. So, wow. um, and I will do that every two or two to three weeks or so. I see, okay. Yeah. And uh, she also asked, after planting them out on the garden, how soon after transplanting do you start uh, a fertilizing schedule? Well, I mean, that depends how you approach fertilization. So for me, when I put something in my raised beds, I'm going to top dress with compost first or aged manure, um, just to add a nice rich, you know, organic soil amendment to the soil. Um, and then maybe you're going to use a slow release organic fertilizer at planting time. I like to do that with my tomatoes. So right. I'll add just a handful, you know, whatever the application rate is of a slow release organic fertilizer to my tomatoes or peppers, you know, whatever. Um, right. But if you don't, if you don't use organic, you know, slow release granular fertilizers, when you plant them, you could water them in um, with water that's been, you know, di you know, with some diluted fertilizer in it as well, like a fish seaweed fertilizer. So that just depends right. if you'd rather use a liquid fertilizer, which you would have to then use more often, or yes. add a slow release organic fertilizer. So you would have to fertilize less often. So that's right. really up to the gardener. And I mean, use... a soil test is not a bad idea as well. If you've never gotten a soil test to see what your soil sort of is like, it's, it's a good idea. It only costs about 25 bucks uh, at the Nova Scotia government. And I did one last year and I was quite pleased with the results. That's the thing. Your, your soil could be perfectly fine and could be. It doesn't need anything. 
Um, you know, it really depends. Yeah. I think a lot of people just think they need, I mean, some people do need fertilizing and I mean, I don't use, I've never tested my soil and I don't use fertilizer and I don't even, I mean, I, I basically just mulch it. Um, do you lime it all though? No, don't do anything. Really? Because, I just because our soils here tend to be very acidic. I know. Yeah, I mean, I do, I love That's that too. All I, do um, I find lime waste. makes a difference. Okay. Sometimes yeah. uh, if I want to give it, uh, if I want to really, you know, uh, hypercharge things, I'll put uh, like a half inch of grass clippings uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> because it, it's just, uh, you know, yeah. you, you notice the difference. If you've got a garden and you put about a, an inch, an inch or so of grass clippings on the garden, and then there's a really good rain about mm -hmm. five days after that. And if there's like, well, like, like, you know, you water it. And then I'm like five days after that, there's a really good rain. So like everything that was happening gets worked into the soil mm -hmm. and you'll just, it's, it's like, I mean, it, you just see everything take off. It's just amazing to see what you can breaks do. Breaks down it. so quickly too, right? Breaks yeah. down really quickly, heats up, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, it's amazing stuff, but. Yeah, beside uh, my garden, I've got a pile of 120 bags of shredded leaves from last fall. Um, and I went and turned it this weekend and, you know, it's like eight feet tall, probably, I would say, and like 15 feet wide. And, you know, every year that breaks down and it's just the most beautifully chocolatey, a mixture of like worms and half decomposing leaves. And it's just, it's lovely to add that to the garden. So those, those shredded leaves, <laughs> are they from your property or are you like me where you sort of scour, <laughs> you sort of steal from the, I, I, I basically take, uh, if I see leaves in bags. Oh, yeah. um, you're a leaf thief is what you're saying. <laughs> not only that, but I'll go and look and see if they're like good leaves. Like, I don't want oak leaves. Exactly. They're too no. big and they blow around. You I know, I want it. the little nice, you know, like, just too much small. cellulose. Yeah. 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 Down. Want those, no, yeah. Especially so, the guy that, that uses the lawnmower and he's got like a bit of grass in with the leaves. Like, oh, that's or weeds. Stuff. Yeah. Know. The grass is good stuff, but I don't want yeah. a lot of weeds. No. Um, so most of the, probably about 70 bags come from my property. Wow. Um, and the rest come from my sisters. So, wow. <laughs> oh, and a couple from my mother in law as well. She, uh, she always saves me her leaves. She doesn't chop them up though. So I bring them here and dump them out. Um, and chop them up again, which really makes my husband super happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something, yeah. Uh, one of the chores I give my son now, if he's old enough to oh, nice. run the lawnmowers, go run over those, go run over them leaves, you know? Yeah, exactly, um, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's one of my things driving, and I drive into Halifax uh, three days a week now. And uh, I take the side streets when it's like mm. leaf bag season, which it is right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, stuff them in my yeah. car. Oh uh, yeah, good stuff. That's <laughs> um, garden gold. <laughs> that is garden gold. I agree. Um, so the next question is from uh, Donna Doucette. Um, she says, um, uh, "When transplanting seedlings, they mention waiting until the second set of leaves form, and it says that you then pinch off top leaves, and now you are left with what is referred to as true leaves." How does Nikki feel about this? Thank you in advance. Well, your true leaves will, would be the, the ones that are growing out from the center and up. And the first leaves, the cod lead leaves are the oldest leaves on the bottom. Um, so not everything needs to be pinched. You know, in fact, a lot of things don't need to be pinched. The only things I would really pinch in a seedling stage, there's some certain cut flowers I pinch, like my zinnias, you know, things like that'll take back a little bit. I will pinch peppers. Um, but I don't pinch them until I'm about to transplant them into the garden when they're maybe six or seven inches tall. And I'll take off the top inch, trimming back to a strong set of leaves, because then that will branch out and give me a, a two-stemmed plant and double my harvest potential. So I will pinch back peppers. 
And I do pinch tomatoes during the growing season, but I don't pinch them as seedlings. Right. Um, particularly, there's different types of tomatoes, as you know, and determinant or bush tomatoes, you don't ever pinch. You don't ever pinch them. You don't ever prune them, let them do their thing. It's only the vining types I would train. And again, I don't do that on the seedling stage. Um, right. um, so, you know, for the most part, I'm not doing a lot of pinching. I will pinch basil plants. Again, oh. generally when I'm putting them into the garden, I'll take off the top growth to a set of new leaves. And again, they'll branch off into two main stems and double my harvest potential. So it depends on the plants. And if you're not sure, um, you know, like, should I pinch peppers? I would Google it. There's a lot of great in-depth articles out there. My website has one uh, on pinching pepper plants, but you know, it's, it's just going to depend on what you're growing, whether or not you pinch them. Is um, So the pinching of the, the peppers and the basil. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, you're doing it to make a sort of stouter, bushier plant that's more, more wide than tall. Exactly. Um, does it also to some extent reduce the pressure on the plant you're basically changing the root to to foliage ratio does that give the plant a, a better fighting chance to deal with being moved or is it all about just the the shape and the bushiness of the plant well you're certainly going to push out more root growth as well so that's definitely not a bad thing and i mean for peppers there's several times over the season you don't have to prune peppers at all you don't have to do it at all but if you want to encourage bigger plants and maybe a larger harvest um, and maybe a larger root system, then, then you certainly can prune. And if I put my pepper seedlings into the garden, um, or even you know the first couple of weeks out there, if they start opening flowers, I'm gonna pinch those flowers off because I don't want the plant to think it needs to produce fruits too early in the season. I would rather it size up before it starts to produce fruits. Otherwise, the amount of fruits I end up is gonna be fewer than if I had removed those first few flowers. So um, you know, that's almost something like a second stage gardening skill. You don't have to do it. But you know, once you've been gardening a couple of years, you want to kind of flex those gardening skills and learn something new. You know, that's a great thing to learn because it certainly can impact overall productivity of your plants. That's well, actually, that's one of the other questions. Shirley Gallant said, should you remove mm -hmm. all the blossoms when you transplant? I, I would. Um, yeah, it depends what it is. But I mean, I, I don't want to, if I have a tomato plant that's flowering, that's not a good tomato plant to me. You know, oh. it's, it's, it's already switched to, to flowering. If it's got fruits on it, I remember working at a garden center and people always wanted the ones that already had little fruits on it. Yes, It'd be like do. this nine or 10 inch tall tomato seedling with fruits. And I'd be like, please don't buy that. Like, you know, that's a terrible tomato plant. Buy this nice, you know, six inch tall one that looks like a little seedling and it's going to just boom and explode in your garden for you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but part of that too, like I know none of my tomato seedlings are going to do that to me because I didn't start them too early. So yes. <laughs> if, you're buy, if you're buying tomato seedlings, look for ones that don't have flowers and fruits. If they have a couple flowers, yes, pinch them off. Um, if you are growing your own, plant them at the right time, start them at the right time, and you're not going to have that problem. I see. All right. Yeah. All right. That's perfect. All right. That's good. Um, yeah. And I, I often think like, you know, you know, you, you hear about, uh, what is it? Uh, blossom end rot with tomatoes. Right. And yeah. one of the reasons they get it is because the, the, the flower didn't get enough uh, calcium when it was forming. Mm -hmm. And I think if it's like, the, I always think those flowers that if they, if the flower does form during the transplant stage, mm. probably wasn't getting, because it wasn't in the actual soil. I have no faith in that flower to, uh, to be like a good, healthy tomato sort of thing. Aside from no. everything you mentioned about just the plant was either planted way too early or there's just yes. something wrong with that plant than in that it decided to flower so soon or some stress. Yeah, because that a stressed that. plant, that's what a stressed plant will often do. If it's under a lot of stress, it's going to flower so it can produce seeds and, you know, ensure the next generation will happen. But 
that's not always a good thing, you know? No, so exactly. yeah, definitely. You want to pinch those off if you can, if, if you have them on your plants for sure. Right on. Uh, okay. Now I got one more question. It has nothing to do with the theme of the show. And I'm only asking you because we haven't eaten up all our time. Uh, so <laughs> and I told this guy, I wasn't going to ask you because it wasn't on theme, but why not? Um, and so, I mean, we'll have to modify this because we could do an entire show on this question. You wrote, <laughs> you wrote an entire book on this question and I've, I've made many videos about this myself. Um, so uh, Gary Lynch asks, interested in hearing her thoughts on keeping a garden going into the winter or starting earlier in spring. She seems to have a great system. Uh, looking forward to this one. So maybe just, a, I guess, a few pointers for people that are, sure. are interested in the notion of having, you know, like on the cover of your book where you've got this garden and you're pulling kale out of it in the snow. Um, yeah. <laughs> pointers to the person that that's, wants to try doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, a season extension, I think, is uh, it's a lot easier than people think. So there's really two key points for it. It's picking the right plants. Well, okay, I'm going to say three key points. Picking the right plants, growing them at the right time, and protecting them with the right season extenders. So, you know, yes, it's now late March. You know, it's going to be early April in a day or two, um, which is two months before really our last expected spring frost here in Nova Scotia, eight weeks. So this is not the traditional planting season. Yet I'm already growing things with my season extenders, my cold frames, you know, under mini hoop tunnels and my greenhouse um, because I'm using these season extenders. But I'm not planting, because these are unheated, heated only by solar energy. I'm not planting cucumbers or tomatoes in those spaces because, you know, it's too cold. But I'm planting that's, cool yeah. and cold season vegetables, right? I, so, I think it's, it's important yeah. for people to understand that, like, if you're under a hoop or whatever, that um, it's still going to, like, if it's minus eight at night, that's, it's going to be minus eight in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like the, soil, the soil might not get as cold as the other soil in your garden because it's, it's been warmer, it, you know, that, that soil got warmer during the day and it has a capacity to yes. hold heat to some extent. Yeah. But the air yeah. in that tunnel is going to be minus whatever the minus is. Yeah, um, 100%. All right. That's 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and you, you can, there's a few things you can do to offset that. You could use uh, water jugs, you know, filled with water as a heat sink, you know, but that's only going to offset it by a tiny little bit. So, um, you know, some people in a greenhouse would have large water barrels painted black to absorb during the day so i've even seen some with a wall of rocks along the back um you know like held by like chicken wire type wire fencing uh to again absorb heat during the day some people use a pathway full of stones in their greenhouse for the same purpose as a heat sink but generally you know most people aren't going to have that so um you can use simple season extenders cold frames mini hoop tunnels poly tunnels things like that for winter harvesting you can even do mulching of root crops like carrots and parsnips uh, mulching them in late fall before the soil freezes and then harvesting them all winter long um, but I would say pick a device, a season extender. A cold frame is a pretty easy DIY. You probably have a video on cold frames, I imagine. Yes, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, well, yes. Uh, yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so somebody take a look at your DIY video, make a cold frame. You can even make them from straw bales. You don't have to like, you know, buy or build something fancy at all. Oh, you and can that really, it. yeah, it's, it's a game changer if you want to learn how, a bit more about season extension. I think I have a video called cold frame made from trash. <laughs> that's a good one something like that right Where, yeah, okay but, yeah yeah so yeah that Perfect. definitely yeah. that definitely does work um yeah. but um yeah there's there's and yeah you know, like you said what you what you choose to plant is is key right for uh, sure yeah and i mean I, that's the focus of my first book and my latest book as well and they're in the libraries everybody's local library across north america they're even translated into german oh wow uh, when, one was released last week in Germany. I just got the uh, I just got the copy in the mail a couple of days ago, which is really exciting. I, I can't read it, 
but I'm excited. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Really yeah cool. Fun. Yeah. So anyway, well, yeah. I think we've. Uh, you got anything more to say to that question, or is that to those points? Well, these... like you said, that could be. We could talk yes. about that for a week. Okay. Exactly. I <laughs> Between agree. you and I, right? Yes. So, no, it's definitely it a great something. Question. Something I like to play with every year, and actually this year I did a terrible job I, i'm usually like i like to plant something around the end of february because i'm excited like you know i'll have that one warm yeah. day the last week of february and i plant something i actually did plant spinach but it, it, it then it went to crap and it just took forever to they're, they're like two inches high now um, <laughs> uh, and i okay. should have planted something middle of march but i didn't um but Lots anyway, you know, every year is different. You got to be Zen about these things. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> totally true. Sometimes you're really busy in your normal life, you know, and you don't get a chance to stay on top of things that happens for sure. I know. Yeah. And I mean, but this seems to be the year, like, um, things are not as frozen as, as I've seen in the past, put it that it's way. True. But yeah. so hopefully alarming. Are, but yeah. Well, there's that, <laughs> there's that for sure. And who knows how <laughs> yeah. hot it's going to get in the summer. That's for sure. All right, Nikki. Well, great having you on the show again, and hopefully we can have you on again. Um, I hope so. Thank you. So much fun. I like this is a great way to kick off the spring growing season. I, I feel know. invigorated and inspired. So thank I, you for, uh, for having me. I feel energized. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go start some seeds. <laughs> All right, Nikki. Thanks for being on the thank show. Thank you. Everybody out there. Until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for watching. Hey folks, want to help support everything I'm doing here? Check out my sponsors, Vessi's Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. For Vessi's, go to their website, Vessi's.com, and use my coupon code GAVS22, and you'll get free shipping as long as there's a pack of seeds in your order, and there's no oversized items in your order. Check out the description box of this video for details. Uh, for Safer's Products, Woodstream Products, you can buy all the things I use in my garden, Slug and Snail Killer, BTK, Endall. You can buy that from Vessi's. Or you can go to their websites uh, for a much wider range of products to solve just about any kind of problem that you can imagine uh, with high quality natural ingredients like oils from seeds and flowers and stuff like that. Uh, for, if, you, if you're in Canada, go to woodstreambrands.ca and as long as your order is over $69, you get free shipping. If you're in the United States of America, then go to saferbrand.com and as long as your order is over $45 US, you'll get free shipping from them. So yeah, if you want to help support the channel and the podcast and they sell something you need, buy from them and that'll help support everything I'm doing here. Thanks a lot. <laughs>